0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring
1: workday. There is no limit to what some men will do for money, especially a man like Morris Buttermaker. No, I really appreciate this. It's just a damn shame that none of the fathers had the time for it. God knows if I wasn't so busy down in the city. You got my oh, I check right, wouldn't Even if it meant coaching an unlikely group called the Bad News Bears, it was a team of superstars like Mike Engelberg, Rudy Stein, Reggie Tower, Ahmad Abdul Rahim, the incomparable Ogilvy, Timmy Lupus, Kelly Leak, the Aguilar brothers. With a team like this, there is only one way you can go. Cups and supporters. Oh. Oh. gotta be one at all times.
2: Oh. Very
3: comfortable. Well, either you wear them, get that one. Either you wear them or you don't play.
1: Walter Matthau is Morris Buttermaker. A man so desperate to make a buck that he did the unforgivable. He put a girl on the team.
3: Boys, I'd like you to meet your new pitcher. Amanda Waller.
2: Juice fixed niggers and now a girl? Why about that, punk?
1: Tatum O'Neill is Amanda. But Amanda is no ordinary girl. And with her help, the bad news bears went from totally terrible to just plain bad. <laughs> Once you do this league a favor, you and the Bears just drop out. Amanda knew what the bad news Bears needed. She also knew how to get it.
2: If I win, you play baseball for the Bears. And if I win, Mm -hmm. name it.
1: What if he
3: tries something?
2: uh... I know an 11-year-old girl who's already on the pill.
3: Don't ever say that word again.
2: Oh, well, well, if it is an ingle puke. How'd you like me to stick this bat with some son her. never shines, Turner? Sit on it.
1: But a little success is a strange thing. Once you taste it, you want more. And from just playing bad, the Bad News Bears climbed up the ladder to become the team that played baseball like it has never been played before. Academy Award winner Walter Matthau is the coach. Academy Award winner Tatum O'Neill is his secret weapon. Together, they turned the Bad News Bears into a team of superstars you will never forget. The Bad News Bears, the incredible story of how a disaster combined with a catastrophe and somehow became the greatest champs who ever played ball.
0: Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the original and really the only Bad News Bears from 1976. The studio was Paramount Pictures, the release date was April 7, 1976. The running time, 102 minutes, the rating of PG. The budget, 9 million dollars, and the box office took in 42.3 million, making it the 10th ranked film of 1976. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 97% fresh from 31 reviews. The critics' consensus is The Bad News Bears is rude, profane, and cynical, but shot through with honest, unforced humor and held together by a deft, understated performance from Walter Matthau. Roger Ebert at the time gave it three out of four stars, and here's his review. Michael Ritchie's The Bad News Bears is intended as a comedy, and there are, to be sure, a lot of laughs in it, but it's something more, something deeper than what it first appears to be. It's an unblinking, scathing look at competition in American society. And because the competitors in this case are Little Leaguers, the movie has passages that are very disturbing. The movie's about a team that's surely one of the worst ever assembled, although I once played right field for one that wasn't much better. The kids are uncoordinated and demoralized and afraid of the ball, and wouldn't be playing at all except that a liberal city councilman has made them a test case. The members include a black, a couple of Mexicans, various other minority group members, and eventually a girl. The team's obviously so bad, no self-respecting coach would have anything to do with them, so the councilman hires a coach illegally. His choice is an alcoholic, one-time minor leaguer played by Walter Matthau, the sort of man mothers warn their children about. He doesn't understand kids, he's a loner, and he mixes bourbon and beer right in the can and drinks it in the dugout. Even the kids see through him. The movie comes by most of its comedy fairly easily. Malthow is, of course, an engaging performer, and the role's a good one for him as he sits in the dugout hungover and blurry-eyed watching his bears come out of their first inning 26 runs behind. The kids are good, too. Richie sees them in a fairly tough and unsentimental way and lets them use the sort of dialogue we'd like to think 12-year-olds aren't familiar with. Mathau works with the kids, despairs with them, finds himself beginning to care in spite of himself, and finally goes out to recruit a ringer. Director Michael Ritchie has made a specialty of movies about competition. Downhill Racer about Olympic ski champions was his first film, and he also made The Candidate about a political race and last year's Smile about a beauty contest. They're all three very good films, but The Bad News Bears is, in a way, his most harrowing portrait of how we'd sometimes rather win than keep our self-respect. He directs scenes for comedy, even in the face of disturbing material, and that makes the movie all the more effective. Sometimes we laugh, and sometimes we can't, and the movie's working best when we're silent. And that's the end of Ebert's review. The reason I love this movie, in addition to loving all things baseball, is that the Bad News Bears is a true product of the 1970s. There was a certain toughness and kind of unapologetic tone to many movies of that era. You know, much like Blazing Saddles, this type of movie couldn't get made today, at least not the way it was made in 1976. The language alone would never garner a PG rating. Hell, even if you smoke a cigarette in a movie today, you're going to get a PG-13 rating. This movie would probably be rated R today just for Walter Matthau's drinking, smoking, and language. And I didn't even get into Tanner. And look, I didn't even bother to watch the remake, so don't ask. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Walter Matthau, he plays Coach Morris Buttermaker. What a name. Matthau was just movie royalty at this point in his career, and he'd been acting in TV and film since the 1950s. A few of his notable movies prior to The Bad News Bears include The Fortune Cookie and the original film version of The Odd Couple, both with Jack Lemmon. He was also in Hello, Dolly! with Barbara Streisand, Cactus Flower with Ingrid Bergman and Goldie Hawn, Charlie Verrick, The Taking of Pelham 123, The Front Page, and The Sunshine Boys. However, I first saw him, of course, in The Bad News Bears, and he'll always be Morris Buttermaker to me. Sorry, Billy Bob Thornton. Tatum O'Neill plays Amanda. If you didn't know already, Tatum is the daughter of actor Ryan O'Neill. The Bad News Bears would be her second film, with 1973's Paper Moon being her debut, starring alongside her father. She would continue to be a popular child actor and married tennis star John McEnroe in 1986. They divorced later in 1994. Jackie Earl Haley plays Kelly Leak. This wasn't Haley's film debut because he did appear in a small role in 1972's The Outside Man, but this was definitely his breakout role. Prior to the Bad News Bears, Haley appeared on TV shows. He appeared in two Bad News Bears sequels, uh, a terrific coming-of-age story in 1979 called Breaking Away, which I highly recommend, and then the sex comedy Losing It, which we covered, so go back and listen to that one. The late 80s and 90s were pretty quiet for Haley, but he had a great comeback. But it was a super creepy character in 2006 *Little Children* with Kate Winslet, and he appear, and he continues to appear in quality roles today. The director was Michael Ritchie, and Ritchie was mostly a TV director until his film debut, which was *Downhill Racer*, as Ebert mentioned uh, from 1969. Some of his later films include *Semi-Tough* with Burt Reynolds, *Fletch* and *Fletch Lives*, of course, with Chevy Chase, *Wildcats* with Goldie Hawn, and *The Golden Child* with Eddie Murphy. The screenwriter was Bill Lancaster, and that name might sound familiar because he was the son of Burt Lancaster. And he actually wrote the two sequels, along with John Carpenter's version of The Thing in 1982. So actually, the Buttermaker character was based on Burt Lancaster, who was known for his grumpiness. And the character of Amanda was actually based on Bill. Alright, let's get into the movie. So the film begins with an overview shot of a baseball field, and you see a team practicing and Morris Buttermaker, our hero, Walter Matthau, pulls up in his beat-up car at the ball field. He parks, immediately grabs a Budweiser, chucks the pull top off of in the parking lot, and then dumps out a portion of the beer and proceeds to top it off with some whiskey stashed in his glove compartment. He then pulls out a cigar and is given a light by a kid, The Buttermaker calls him Mr. <laughs> we'll find out later this is the local bad boy, Kelly Leak, Jackie Earl Haley, who is known for riding his dirt bike around town. This one scene alone kind of sets the tone for the entire film. He's basically worse than Oscar Madison. That's the character he portrayed in the original film version of The Odd Couple. Buttermaker Queens Pools for a living. He's recruited to coach a Little League team by Bob Whitewood, who is played by Ben Piazza. And his kid is named Toby. So for Piazza, I best know him for his role in The Blues Brothers, where he plays the snobbish father at the fancy restaurant where Jake and Elwood kind of make a scene. You know how much for the little girl? The women? How much for the women? Sell me, sell me your children. That's that's the <laughs> the dad.
1: Waiter, sir, please. Waiter. Yes, sir. How are your salads? The salads are fine. It's just that we'd uh, we'd like to move to another table, away from those two gentlemen. Why have they been disturbing you? No. It's just that. Well, frankly, they're offensive, smelling. I mean, they smell bad. Excuse me, sir, I'll see if I can locate another table for you. Thank you.
3: How much for the little girl? The women, how much for the women? What? Your women, I, I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters.
2: Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Meir D, Major D. Uh, hey, cut it When is it gonna ask me to call the cops? You, how much for your wife?
0: <laughs> Buttermaker isn't coaching a kid's baseball team out of the goodness of his heart. He's being paid by Whitewood and straight up asked for his check in the first meeting. <laughs> As it turns out, Buttermaker once played minor league ball, but now he's just a broken down shell. Buttermaker meets with Cleveland, played by Joyce Van Patten. She's the equipment manager for the league. So Van Patten is the sister of Dick Van Patten. You might remember him from 8 is Enough and many other things. So the Bears are comprised of players that none of the other 16 teams in the league wanted. Roy Turner is played by Vic Morrow, the father of uh, Jenner for Jason Lee. He's the manager of the best team in the league, the Yankees, and he's pissed that Whitewood didn't just join another league instead of pushing uh, to get the Bears in an already competitive, very full league, which is far more advanced talent-wise compared to the players on the Bears. Buttermaker doesn't really care. He's doing it for the paycheck. And then Buttermaker is introduced to his team.
3: Rudy Stein. Pitcher. Um, can, can I play pitcher? Sure. Reggie Tower. Um, oh my my you my, you my father
2: said for me Just to play in the. the end- you hey, Mr. Firemaker. But oh, I'm, gonna, I'm on your team. See, yes, Lassie. really pitch an hitter for the Yankees. Baseball for the I'm Tower. For the My dad's been a Yankee fan all his life, and you he can, he can never heard he of no butter who whoever played for the Yankees. Long, no, to, no I, hitter. I'm, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm all right, I don't know, know who the hell uh, you are, can can I, but sit down and shut
2: up. You can play second or third base. This is I don't forget about the glasses. As a matter of fact, you never played in the major leagues, but he did pitch for Phoenix in the minors. In 1951, you won nine games, lost six, had 170 strikeouts, and had an era
3: of 2.86 That's mike true. engelberg
2: my dad thinks i should try out for catcher engelberg's invaluable he can play third and short at the same time he keep <laughs> it up what if you want to get comfortable oh, shut up
3: all okay. Lu- right all right all right all right all right timmy lupus lupus lupus
2: god does that booger eating spaz make me want to puke <laughs>
3: <laughs> well what do you what, what do you want to play lupus lupus
2: He's shy, coach. Shy, my butt. He's in it. shut up, Tanner. He's just kind of quiet. I was about to say that Timmy uh, and I could do a fine job sharing right field. alright
3: right, that's let's, let's uh. not talk anymore about it. Everybody out on the field and take any position you want. You want me to spend Just no, Shut no, up and get out. No, yeah, let's out, go, boys. I
2: think my dad said something about saying that these two boys were Mexican. They don't speak any English. Engelberg.
3: What? There's chocolate all over this ball.
2: Look, Mr. Buttermaker, quit bugging me about my food. People are always bugging me about it. My shrink says that's why I'm so fat. So you're not doing me any good, so let's quit it.
3: Okay, okay, okay. All right, look alive. Let's get one. Are you ready? Let's get one out there. Engelberg? What? That is a bunt. B-U-N-T. The catcher is supposed to pick up the bunt and throw it to first base.
2: What the hell was I supposed to know? You made the big deal yelling after them.
3: Diversionary tactic, Engelberg. Now get the ball. Why are you always picking on me? What did I do to you?
2: Engelberg, crank your belly bellyache and throw the ball to first base. Don't blame me. I didn't even know it was your car. There's nothing parking that's so close to the field anyway.
3: All right, boys. Let's get back to basics. This is a baseball. The object of the game is to keep the baseball within the confines of the playing field. Wait a minute.
2: What, throw? You don't think we know what a ball is? I don't think I like the character <laughs> yeah. Come on, hey, let you You're fights like this, this week already. We keep playing like this, we'll be the laughing stock of the league. <laughs> well, what do you expect All we got on this team is a bunch of Jews, spicks, niggers, pansies, hey. and a booger-eating moron. Tanner, I think you should be reminded from time to time that you're one of the few people on this team who's not a Jew, big nigger, pansy, or booger-eating moron. Not so all. you'd better cool it or we may be disposed to beat the crap out of you. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Come on, cut it out. Now, guys, somebody's gonna pay for this windshield. And I think, Engelberg, it's gonna be your father.
2: Bullshit.
0: Yes, quite a ragtag group of kids. The last clip alone is the exact reason why the original is just the best. Tanner, played by Chris Barnes, is absolutely priceless, and the way he delivers his lines is just terrific acting, especially for a kid. And Engelberg is almost a precursor to the Eric Cartman character in South Park. The other reason this scene is great is that it epitomizes what's great about team sports. You're going to be with a group of people, and you're not going to like everyone you play with. But you all learn to share a common goal and to work as a team, regardless if you like one another. And this comes into play later in the film. (laughs) So Butterbaker doesn't even realize that he needs to get a sponsor in order to pay for the team's uniforms. He does finally land a sponsor, and it's Chico's bail bonds. (laughs) He also uses the kids as free labor as they help him clean his pools. So as you can imagine, Buttermaker's a complete derelict. He gets absolutely plastered during their last practice before the opening game, and he passes out on the pitcher's mound. Good start. Opening day is filled with plenty of excitement. Kelly Leak decides to crash the field riding his dirt bike before being escorted off the field by a police officer. The team picture is hilarious as Engelberg's uniform doesn't even fit him, so he can't even button his jersey all the way. (laughs) Or at all. (laughs) And Buttermaker is drinking a beer. Of course, the first game, the Bears have to play the best team in the league, the Yankees, and they get absolutely slaughtered. The first batter of the game for the Yankees should have been thrown out at third base, but the left-handed third baseman, yes, left-handed for the Bears, tagged the base instead of the runner. It only gets worse for the Bears from there as the next batter hits a home run. Tanner has a tough time fielding anything at shortstop, but does break in his glove by throwing it on the ground after every error. (laughs) The funniest is when he throws his glove at one of the runners. <laughs> so the Bears give up 26 runs in the top of the first, and they can't even give an out. Buttermaker ends up forfeiting the game before they can even get in at bat. Turner, the Yankees' coach, is a complete prick and basically wants the Bears out of the league, and he has no problems pouring it on even though they're just kids. Well, it's class act that, that Turner is. Ahmed, who was playing right field, couldn't catch a ball like the rest of the team, and he decides to take off his uniform and climb a tree in only his underwear and threatens to quit the team. Buttermaker finally acts like a decent coach and tells Ahmed that his hero, Hank Aaron, committed 42 errors in his first season of Sandlot Ball. Of course, this isn't true, but it gave some hope to Ahmed, something a decent coach and person would do for his players. So Whitewood wants the Bears to drop out of the league now after the embarrassing first loss. Shockingly, Buttermaker decides that he doesn't want to give up on the team and pays a visit to his ex-girlfriend's daughter, Amanda, played by Tatum O'Neal. She is a terrific pitcher who learned everything that Buttermaker knew from his years of baseball experience. However, Amanda tells Buttermaker to shove off as his relationship with her mom did not end well. That day in practice, the boys decide they're going to quit because they're tired of getting shit at school about how bad their team is. And, of course, you have Tanner, who decided to fight the entire seventh grade, as only he would. So even though Buttermaker's a mess of a person, he does have glimpses of being a decent person and a coach.
3: With this quitting thing, it's a hard habit to break once you start. You're a damn good bunch of boys. Probably deserved a lot better than me. But it looks like we're stuck with each other. Jimmy, grab a bat. Angleberry, get your gear on, get behind home plate. What for? We need to practice. <laughs> I'm the winter of the team. We took a vote. God, damn it! Nobody's vote counts around here but mine. Get your gear on and get your fat ass behind the plate before I take it up there. The rest of you pansy ass quitters. Move your asses before I get all up deck. In position. We got a game with the athletics next Wednesday. And that means only one thing. Bad news for the
0: athletics! It is here where Buttermaker does some actual coaching, like teaching Tanner to get his body in front of the ball when fielding and having the boys run wind sprints. The next game, the boys are killed again, 18-0, but they've improved significantly as they actually finished a game. <laughs> By the way, it's hilarious to hear Tanner yell, CRUD, after every close play at first. He even calls Buttermaker "buttercrud." Crud. <laughs> By the way, Tanner said crud 11 times during the film. So Ogilvy is like the sabermetrics guru of the team as he keeps almost every stat possible about the team. In this game, the positives were that two of the Bears almost managed to get to first base after batted ground ball, and they hit 17 foul balls. However, if they truly want to improve, they'll need some talented ball players.
3: It was a dumb idea anyway. I mean, you wouldn't have helped the team much. I mean, you were great when you were nine, but girls reached their peak athletically about that age. Probably haven't picked up a ball in two years, anyway. Give my love to your mom. Don't be such a stranger.
2: Hey, Boilermaker. Yeah? Got my curve breaking two and a half feet.
3: Oh, yeah? Then you have been practicing, huh? Now, don't give me no baloney about a curve breaking two and a half feet, though.
2: For how much? Ten bucks. Make it twenty.
3: You got a bet. But we're going to see some curves. Okay,
2: the next one's coming right between your eyes.
3: Ballet lessons. They're three dollars a shot for crying out I can't. Well, what are you doing? Give me me the... no oh, I just lit that cigar. That's terrible. Make it nine ballets I lessons. want the imported kind of jeans. Jeans? Yes. What are you talking French about? Jeans. I'm not getting you any jeans. You know what I you know how many pools I gotta clean to get Expensive you a pair kind. of imported jeans? What's the matter with American jeans? I don't like them. What do you think? Yeah, you catfish hunter? Who's he? Boys, I'd
2: like you to meet your new pitcher, Amanda Wurlitzer. Juice fixed niggers, and now a girl? Grab a fat, punk.
0: <laughs> What's really interesting about this movie is that today's overly sensitive viewers won't be able to handle the language from Tanner. However, if you think about it, the movie was way ahead of its time since Amanda is a terrific athlete and is easily one of the best pitchers in the league full of boys. So for me, get over the language and enjoy the film. It's so much better than the watered-down garbage that's released today. It's interesting they water down some things and then just go over the top with others. There's no balance. There's no delicate nuances. And so the next game, Amanda absolutely dominates. She even throws a spitball, even though it's really kind of a grease ball because she has Vaseline on the tip of her cap. Also, speaking about being ahead of its time, Buttermaker even puts on a defensive shift on one of the opposing hitters as they stack all the bears to the left side. Amanda keeps the game scoreless until the last inning, but unfortunately the Bears' offense is just anemic and they can't score any runs either. In the last inning, the Mets hit a ground ball to right field and then Lupus gets the ball, but we discover he absolutely cannot throw the ball to save his life and basically shot puts it over and over again and the Bears lose one to nothing. Tanner is just infuriated at Lupus and blames him for losing the game. Even though they have solved the pitching void by getting Amanda on the team, they still need some offensive help badly. So then in one practice, Kelly Week throws a ball from over the outfield fence all the way to home plate on a line without a bounce. They don't even realize at that point that he can hit up a storm as well, but there's more on that later. So Amanda decides to recruit Kelly for the Bears. Unfortunately for Amanda, she lost the bet and has to go to a Rolling Stones concert with Kelly. So back to the team. Earlier I was talking about how there's a bond playing on a team that even if you don't necessarily like some of the guys you play with, you still go to bat for them because they're your teammate. And a perfect example of this is when Tanner sticks up for Lupus.
2: Lupus, could you go somewhere else while I'm eating? You make me sick. Hey, Lucas, man, how's it going? Give it! What do you need it for? You hardly ever play uh, anyway. sit Give down. It. We was only kidding anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how that looks neat? <laughs> hey, if we had to do that to all the bears, we might play better. <laughs> hey, Joey, you hungry? You want my burrito? I wouldn't eat your burrito if you paid me to. Oh, uh, go on. Take it. It's the best way to eat it. A little... A little... I'm going to kill you. I'm going to knock your down so far, you're going to have to take off your to uh, Beat the crud out of you. Oh yeah. Take on all the Yankees after this. Hey, I'm going to kick your butt. Oh, shit. You owe me 30 cents for that burrito. Get you the mouth. <laughs> Little shit. <laughs> well, that's one bird down and 11 to go, baby. Come to think of a thing where... Thanks. Nobody ever stuck up for me
1: before.
2: Well, Lupus, if you wiped your nose once in a while, people wouldn't give you so much credit all the time.
0: Kelly finally decides to join the Bears after getting hassled by Roy Turner in the stands one day.
3: There's something I forgot to tell you guys. It's a league rule. Cups and supporters. Gotta be one at all times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either either you wear them or you don't play.
2: Can we stop this already? We got another hour of practice. it's eso duele. What? What are you saying? I've been brushing up on my Spanish of and I think he's saying something about, you know, his being uh, Catholic and it's a sin.
3: Oh, for Christ's sake.
2: I know what it is. This is a free country be democratic and take a vote
3: there'll be no vote Engelberg
2: what about Amanda you ain't strapped one of these things on me well she'll wear one I don't wear one anyway yeah. <laughs> okay, it's too small if she doesn't wear one neither do I what are you doing here some asshole changed my mind little harder huh does turkey think he is Mickey
3: Mantle
0: rifle one and just like that the Bears are contenders with a star pitcher and a star hitter as they win their first game of the season they also win the next game as the white sox don't have enough players and they have to forfeit the Bears are now on a win streak. They continue to get better and better and win games, which is a great montage scene, which includes Engelberg running over the opposing catcher, Ahmed getting hit in the balls with a fly ball, and and Tanner tripping a runner. The next game is against the Athletics, and if the Bears win, they go on to the championship against the Yankees. Buttermaker now wants to win in the worst way to stick it to Roy Turner and the Yankees. But he also forgets the most important part of Little League, which is to have fun and give all the kids a chance to compete. So Buttermaker decides to have Kelly roam the outfield and catch all of the balls to avoid any errors from the other players. As expected, this rubs the rest of the guys the wrong way as Kelly comes off as looking like a show-off. But they don't realize he was instructed by Buttermaker. Finally, during one play, Kelly decides to let Rudy try to catch a ball, which of course Rudy drops and allows a run to score. Buttermaker is pissed and tells Kelly to follow his orders. Kelly is not the type of kid that is happy being told what to do, and when he leads off to bat the next inning, he stands and watches two strikes down the middle go by without swinging. Buttermaker is incensed and calls time and takes the bat out of Kelly's hands and says he'll pinch hit if he's just going to stand there. Kelly then goes back to the batter's box and hits a home run like it's nothing on the next pitch and the bears go to the championship Buttermaker is now losing touch with the real point of youth sports Winning is great and you should compete to win, but not at all costs Parents especially lose focus of this fact. All right back to the team Buttermaker's obsession with winning finally comes to a head.
3: How does it feel?
2: Why do you always change the subject? You're just pulling that as number. As far as and I'm concerned.
3: the subject is your arm. You're pitching tomorrow. But
2: what about after tomorrow?
3: After tomorrow, we do it all. Ball players do. We shake hands till we see each other next season. Then we go fishing or hunting, make some personal appearances, get to know the wife and kids again.
2: I don't have a wife and kids.
3: Neither do I. But I got my pools to clean. You got your maps to sell and your ballet to learn.
2: I could help you with your pools.
3: Will you cut it out, Amanda?
2: No, it wouldn't be like you taking me anywhere. It'd be like work. You could use the help.
3: No, I couldn't. And besides, you shouldn't be wasting your time cleaning pools. Look, Amanda, you're a terrific kid. You shouldn't be hanging around with me. I mean, I'm an old, broken down, third rate ball player. I like to drink too much. I like to smoke my cigars without anybody bothering me, including you. I'm happy that way. I'm a bum.
2: No, you're not. You taught me
1: how to pitch,
3: you taught me how to... God ah, damn it! Can't you get it through your thick head that I don't want your company? If I did, I would have looked you up two years ago. I wouldn't have waited two goddamn years. Did you ever think of that?
2: That's where you feel fine. Probably.
0: For the championship game, Buttermaker's just a tyrant. He's yelling at the players over every mistake. He's basically turning into Roy Turner, who's the biggest asshole around. To make matters even worse, Amanda is injured covering home plate as a Yankee player spikes her on the elbow after sliding it a bit high. (laughs) Tanner, in turn, kicks the Yankee player in the nuts, which starts a huge brawl. So Turner decides he's going to intentionally walk Kelly every time he's at bat. So Buttermaker tells Rudy to get hit by a pitch on purpose. Engelberg is up next and drives in Kelly with a ground rule double. The pitcher for the Yankees is Turner's son, who is also the kid that picked on Lupus. No surprise that he's a prick just like his dad. However, he'll redeem himself later in the game. We'll get to that. The Bears take a 2-1 lead after Rudy scores on a sacrifice fly. So the next time that Rudy gets up, Buttermaker tells Rudy to get hit by a pitch again, which Rudy is not thrilled about because it doesn't feel great to get hit by a baseball. Also, Amanda's elbow is killing her, and she really shouldn't be pitching. Then things finally come to a head, in this at bad for the Bears and Buttermaker. Yeah.
3: I told you not to swing, you idiot! Get back here! Move it! Die, get back in here! God damn end, it, you Yankee stupid Yankees Everybody sit down. Come on, sit down. Sit down, What's the matter with you? Next time I tell you to do something, God damn it, you do it or else you're off this team. And the rest of you, what's the matter with you? All the season long, you've been laughed at, crapped on. Now you got a chance to spit it back in their faces and what do you do? You're out there like a bunch of dead fish, not listening. Bonehead plays, mistakes. Honey, don't you want to beat those bastards? All right. Get out there now and do the best you can.
0: What the parents and coaches sometimes lose sight of is these are just kids playing a game. And Buttermaker finally gets this after his little tirade. And sadly, this sort of thing just happens more than it should in youth sports. It's just a game. The Yankees take a 3-2 lead in the top of the fifth. In the bottom of the inning, Engelberg leads off. And he's just had Joey Turner's number all day long. And after Engelberg hits a home run foul, Roy Turner calls time and goes out to the mound and tells him to pitch low and outside. Joey's got a little red ass in him, and he wants to strike out Engelberg as they've been jawing at each other all game. And then the next pitch, Joey almost hits Engelberg in the head. Roy Turner goes out to the mound and slaps Joey right at the mound, knocking him down. The entire stadium goes silent. Turner's wife will likely be filing for divorce after the game, as she should. But Joey gets his revenge, though.
3: You son of a bitch!
1: Try to beat him; he could have killed that kid.
3: Well, you know why? He threw it.
1: I told him to throw a low and outside. They kill that kid! <laughs> throw a ball, Joey!
2: Alright, go go let go!
0: So Engelberg scored on a dribbler back to the pitcher because Joey just kept the ball in his mitt and let him score. After Engelberg scored, he then just drops the ball at the feet of his dad standing by the dugout and walks out of the park with his mom. From this scene, Buttermaker further realizes how wrong he was about his recent managerial style and just decides to let all the kids play and also takes Amanda out of the game as her elbow is really injured.
3: Okay, this is the last inning. Tanner, Toby, Reggie, and Jimmy, you're sitting on the bench. What? Else? Ogilvy, Lupus, uh, Miguel, and Jose, you take that place. Oh, why
2: don't we play hell in well, t- 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 Why don't we play hell Don't you want an interview? I'm, I'm speaking. We still have a chance. Damn good
3: chance. So be on your toes. Now get the hell out of here. Are
2: you going to give them a fuck? Come we will be sitting there putting in his asthma mess. not my fault. Jeez. not just forfeit? What did they do? Give him a six-pack and probably game. Mr. Bettermaker, I don't know about you, but I want to win, so don't send me in.
3: Listen, Lupus, you didn't come into this life just to sit around on a dugout bench, did you? Or get your ass out there and do the best you can. Your attention, please, parents and friends. This is the last game of the championship playoffs. Let's give the little folks a big hand. They really deserve it. Something's wrong with Amanda. I think i better get in a relief pitch. Buttermaker. Oh, hiya, Whitewood.
1: Buttermaker. Uh, Can I talk to you for a minute?
3: Well, we're busy now. We got a championship game here.
1: I'm I gotta talk to you.
3: Yeah?
1: Is, is it is it really necessary to send in that lupus kid now? He
3: hasn't played yet. I know that. I know oh, that but we've now still playing. got a chance. Well, everybody on my team gets a chance play, to play. Oh, come on! Don't give me that now righteous now play, bullshit. These kids have gone
2: through too much for you to now throw play, it away now. Face.
3: We've got a chance now to nine, win. Now now right, but you started this thing so that all the boys would have a chance to play baseball. Look, look, I know why I started this, seven, all boy,
1: Miguel,
3: but all the boys—look, look, little to boys, hurt, easy, Or maybe you haven't uh, been watching what's been going on here this afternoon. Now get back to the stands before I shave off half your mustache and shove it up your left nostril. Alright, let's go. Let's go. Let's go uh, hold it. Time. Time. Okay, Amanda, that's it.
2: Three more outs, ball maker. So get lost.
3: Rudy. I'm warning
0: you. Yeah, Bob Whitewood is the exact example my dad used to tell me about when he was dealing with parents when he was coaching. I'll, I'll talk about this story later when I talk to Bill uh, in an interview after this. Uh, after I get through my part. Back to the game. Unfortunately, Rudy isn't good in relief pitching, and the Yankees take a 7-3 to lead. But the highlight of the game is actually Lupus making catch in front of the right field fence, and he saves a home run, and the kids just go crazy congratulating Lupus on his great catch. You know, while there's a lot of dark humor in this film, there are inspirational scenes, and that, that lupus catch is definitely one of them. It's also not forced. It almost happens casually. It makes it even better. So normally I don't do spoilers, but I'm sure most have seen this movie. The, the Bears do mount a really nice comeback, and they have a chance to tie the game at the end, but they come up just short when the tying run is thrown out of the plate. It's a great ending because they didn't win. It's just like in Rocky. So, Buttermaker gives all the boys beer in the dugout, which is awesome, and they accept their second-place trophy with team spirit like only the Bears could display.
1: Buttermaker, this is your second-place trophy. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I know we had our differences, but at least we settled it right here on the ball field. Uh, My boys would like to say something to your team. Boys?
2: We just want to say, you guys played a good game. And we treated you pretty unfair all season. We want to apologize. We still don't think you're all that good a baseball team. You got guts, all of you.
1: Come on, let's give him a cheer. Come on. Ready? Okay. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Bears!
2: Bears! Yay! Hey, Yankees. You can take your apology out of your trophy and shove it straight up your ass. And another thing, just wait till next year.
0: Again, this movie is one of a kind, and thankfully it was made in the 70s, where even kids' movies could have some grittiness to it. You know, some may like the remake. I have no desire to ever see it. You can't top perfection. So as Tanner would say, you can take the remake and shove it up your ass. All right, some fun facts. I always knew about the two Movie sequels, Breaking Training, and The Bear News Bears Go to Japan, but I totally missed the TV series from 1979 through 1980. There were actually two seasons and 26 episodes, with the great Jack Warden playing Morris Buttermaker. The other interesting part about the show is Corey Feldman was on the show playing Reggie, who you'd basically never see in the original film. The two Aguiar brothers in the film are portrayed as not being able to speak English, but in reality, not only were they really fluent in English, but they couldn't even speak Spanish. They had to learn Spanish for their lines in the films. Jodie Foster was in line to play Amanda, but she dropped out to play Iris in Taxi Driver. Sarah Jessica Parker also auditioned for the Amanda role. Christy McNichol was also offered the role of Amanda before Tatum O'Neill, but the producers changed their minds and, of course, it went to Tatum O'Neill. Coincidentally, the two ended up starring together in 1980's Little Darlings. Steve McQueen and Warren Beatty both turned down the role of Buttermaker before it went to Walter Matthau. And as much as I like both actors, look, Matthau was perfect to play this role. So Jack Warden might have been great as well. Quentin Tarantino said this is one of his favorite films. For all the beer drinkers out there, Buttermaker drinks the following brands of beer during the film. Budweiser, Miller High Life, Schlitz Kingers, Pabst Blue Ribbon, Lucky Lager, and Coors. He was an equal opportunity beer drinker. Tatum O'Neill trained with a professional sports trainer for several weeks before shooting so she'd get her pitch perfect, so to speak. However, though some of the pitches in the movie were done by stunt doubles, O'Neill did do the bulk of them on her own, which was rare for a movie like this. There was an alternate ending where Kelly is safe at home instead of out, but the test audiences actually preferred the ending with him out because it would have been too much of a happy ending for the underdog bears and the way that they celebrated on their own as only the bears could, it was a perfect ending. All right, we have two special guests, one being a first-time guest, even though I have appeared on their podcast multiple times. It is Chris Sinzak from the the great Decibel Geek podcast. He appears to talk about the original Bad News Bears, which is terrific. And then we have longtime guest and, and sports writer Bill Roseberry, who also talks about this film. We have a great time discussing this classic. And I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. So I'm very excited to announce a first-time guest to Damn Good Movie Memories, and this has been a long time coming. It is Chris Sinzak from the awesome Despicable Geek Podcast. Welcome, Chris. Hey Brian, thanks for having me,
4: man. I, I really love the show, and it's weird that I'm I'm following my brother on a podcast.
0: I love that, and uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't call you Eric because I I've only done that once by accident, and it w- actually wasn't because of you. We were talking about a character named Chris, and so it's just dumb luck. But uh, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Chris and, and Aaron Camaro, uh, they had me on their podcast in early 2016 for uh, our Radio Sucks episode. And I had such a wonderful time. And, and Chris has always been so kind with people and willing to help out like newcomers to the podcasting world. And so really, I can't thank you enough for your support over the years for not just me, but it, for every podcaster that uh, tries to get involved and, and reaches out to you. I'm happy to help uh, uh, any
4: advice I can give, good or bad, I guess was, is is welcome. but yeah, i uh, I just I like seeing people get into the space or especially people that go from listeners into podcasters. and yeah, I just I just like seeing people get into it.
0: Yeah. And, and also, if you're a fan of podcasting and, and great rock music, uh, Chris organizes the annual Rock and Pod convention in Nashville. It's an absolute blast. I've gone the last two years uh, and I met so many great folks who they're going to be lifelong friends uh, due to your passion of organizing this this wonderful event. And so thank you for continuing to go Rock and Pod as well, Chris. Oh, I appreciate you coming. I
4: remember, yeah, in the year or two, we were having the pre-party and Ian Wadley like taps me on the shoulder at, we were at the concert. And he's like, Brian Davis is right. I'm like, you came here from California? <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe somebody would come from that far away. But uh, yeah, it was, it's really uh, organically turned into just a, a great hang every year and, and become kind of a legitimate convention over the years where initially it was just going to be a meetup for podcasters, but yeah, just every year it gets bigger. And obviously we had to cancel for 2020 because mm-hmm. of obvious reasons, but um, I've, I'm already working on 2021. We're already got, we already got the ball in motion.
0: Awesome. I can't wait. And I'll definitely be there. And I know many, many others will be there as well.
4: Yeah, I had a lot of people when I cancel go, oh, man, well, this is going to be my first year coming or I'm planning on coming. I'll be there next year. And I'm thinking, you better be there next year. <laughs> well, they should be,
0: save up money. They can save they can use the money towards next
4: year. Yeah, and we've uh, we've got big plans, and we're gonna try. To, we try to top ourselves every year, and last year was pretty big, so uh,
0: we're, we have our work cut out for us. It really is, and it does. It keeps getting big. I mean, you've seen it more than anyone how how big it's gotten. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, eventually
4: it'll be a week long, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, that'd be a blast. I don't know if you guys could take it, but yeah. No, it'll probably kill me, but <laughs> <laughs> go out with a bang. Right. So we'll we'll start with the the bad news bears, the original bad news bears from 1976. And uh, was this one you saw in the theater, or w- did you catch uh, no. it a little bit later? No, I I saw. I was born in 1976, so oh, I definitely okay. didn't see this.
4: Um, yeah, this came out in April, so this came out like you know a few months before I was even born. Got it. But uh, it but it would get shown on. T- this, this shows how t- this. This movie is so politically incorrect. Oh, I love it. But but growing up when we did, you you wouldn't even know it. Um, It was, I think it it used to get shown on TV like at least once a year. Usually in the springtime, I remember like the local, one of the local main stations would show it. Obviously heavily edited version. Um, And I'd watch it every year. But I mean, I grew up a baseball fan. I played baseball as a kid. So I think my earliest memory, I must have been maybe i'm gonna say maybe eight or nine that i first saw this
0: so it was video cable and
4: stuff like yeah, that. It, yeah like well yeah but like our local like abc station i think would would show it on an annual basis when we were growing up in georgia mm-hmm. and like a, you kind of knew summer was coming because bad news bears would get shown on tv but then we got cable and hbo or one of those channels mm-hmm. would show it pretty regularly so then you could actually see the unedited version. I'm just,
0: you're like, where did this come from?
4: Yeah. And ooh, wow. It, and and I actually, mm-hmm. I rented it off of YouTube um, yesterday, just so I could kind of skim through it again and refresh my memory. But I, I've seen it so many times that like I didn't even need the refreshing because I mean it all came back pretty easily. This is just one of those movies I would watch just on repeat because I loved baseball growing up. So if it's a baseball movie, I probably watched it at least 100 times. Right. So when you played Little League, what was your position? Uh, catcher and first base, mostly. I played outfield a little bit. Okay. And how long did you keep playing baseball uh, for? Uh, I played until started in t-ball and then I played up through high school. Um probably I, I guess I stopped playing organized ball around 16, 17 mm-hmm. and that was when I started playing in a band. So I uh, like my, my, I started playing guitar at 12 and then by the time I was 16 that's when I was putting a band together and I was like so rock music kind of over, you know, overtook my interest in baseball. Baseball kind of kind of become like a chore at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did and actually mentioned on one of our recent Quarantine session episodes right. that I did. I did, I did a uh, tryout for the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was just an open walk-on tryout, but mm-hmm. um kind of offered instructional league, which is below minor league, which right. is unpaid and basically you have no chance in hell of making the major leagues. Right. So I, 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 I after thinking on it for a couple
0: of days, I was like, Nah, this isn't for me, and that was the end of my baseball. That was it. Now, did you ever have a, a coach? I don't think there's any coach like uh, Morris Buttermaker, but anyone that was a bad coach at, at any point, not just baseball, but in general. Oh, sure. Yeah, I've had several
4: bad coaches over the years. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody, I don't think I had any that were
4: alcoholics. I can't think of anyone. <laughs> I did have one, I had a coach in T-Ball. He would drink beer while we practiced, but he never got, like, got sloshed or anything. Right. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, I've had good and bad coaches just like everybody, but yeah, Buttermaker's a, it's an interesting character study in this movie.
0: <laughs> well, it is interesting because, yeah, he's a complete mess. Uh, but and he's got moments where he's just he's a real jerk. But then he, he kind of turns it around at some point. Yeah. this You know, this
4: is where, you know, watching it as a 40 something year old person now. Right. It's uh, um it definitely it has a, a much more serious tone to it than i remember as a kid because when you're a kid you just you block out all the all the more serious scenes you kind of like ah, who cares about this mm-hmm. um but like the scene with uh amanda you know where she's basically looking to him to be a father figure and she tries to set up the dinner after the game with the with his ex who's her mom right and and uh, you know, he like throws stuff at her and she walks off crying and then they flash back to him in the dugout and he's crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow, I don't even remember that I don't remember that that little scene of him crying and it's uh it's an interesting character study because, you know, he's like somebody who had a lot of promise as a younger guy. You know, they talk about him striking out Ted Williams and right. the minors and you know, now he's just this broken down pool cleaner who got paid to coach these kids and it's just it's like you know he kind of feels like life's passed him by but like
0: you definitely have a different tone when you watch this as an adult than when you were a kid yeah and and really i buttermaker you kind of he has some redeeming values especially at the end but roy turner has none (laughs) the opposing to coach
4: yeah vic morrow plays such an asshole in this movie yeah yeah, and I do remember that. Well, you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk bad about my dad, but my dad had a temper similar to Vic Murrow's in the movie. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, yeah, with really kind of, but not to Morris, I mean, not not as abusive, I'll say that. Okay. Good. Um, but but would get as angry about things, and and also, um, but like, but, you know, th- and it also brings out you know you see how parents live vicariously through their children in this right. movie. So you got people that are you know these are just kids trying to have fun and you got parents taking it seriously like they're playing in yankee stadium it's like it's annoying and the scene well yeah the scene where roy you know strikes his kid down on the mound and everything and the kid walks off that's that's pretty powerful scene you know um it's, it's, it's i think it's the thing that watching this in hindsight really got to me was you know how much more serious stuff there is in this movie i mean yeah it's got plenty of funny stuff in it but there's
0: a lot of stuff with like a lot of the main plot points are pretty damn serious. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great point about the 1970s. I, I don't, I think that if this was made in the 80s, it would be a little bit more lighthearted, maybe a little bit more uh, raunchier, like kind of like party fun, as opposed to, yeah, the seriousness of it, the grittiness of the 70s.
4: Yeah. And it's like, I guess, and only in the set, you know, now there's a term for it. It's called dramedy. Yeah. Um, but this was kind of one of the original versions of that, because back then, in those days, it was it was definitely a comedy or definitely a drama. And this one kind of straddles
0: both sides of that equation. Absolutely. So regarding the parents, because I had I experienced this growing up in Little League. Uh, did you have any of the parents that were just terrible as fans or just, oh, yeah. you know, were always pushing uh, to either get their kid playing or, or, or they were just abusive to, to the other, um, you know, the other players? Oh yeah. I've seen parents like break out into fist fights at games. Oh. It, it,
4: yeah, for real. Um and actually my brother could expound on this even more because <laughs> he played Little League before I did. And I'll never forget this. We went to a game and he's playing in the game and two parents just literally start fighting each other right there oh. in the stands. Uh and I don't remember what it was over, but yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And I've seen you know, parents start shoving each other during games that I played in. And, um, yeah, it's, it, thankfully not too much of it, but you would get the parents that were that way, and you'd also have the one, why aren't you playing my kid? And Right. And, and that has got to be hard for, for a coach in, you know, youth sports because you you want to teach them that winning is a good thing, but at the same time, you do you want to win at all costs to where it's at the detriment of other kids not getting in the game? And, right. You know, so it's... You know, it, you do have to feel empathy for people that work in that field. And obviously, Buttermaker was getting paid to do it. But oh yeah, <laughs> um, but a lot of the people, parents that do it, and like even the people that you know umpire the games, they're, they're mm-hmm. not getting paid for that. They're just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. So, and I, you know, I grew up and, and and I'm a parent now too. With and I had kids that played sports growing up, and I'd see you know people like like my son played football, and you know these parents are screaming at the referees like. You know, you're just wanting that, you know, the other team to win and you're calling. And I'm thinking, why would they don't give a damn? No, they're just trying trying to do their job. Yeah, it's like, you know,
0: it's like they have money in Vegas on this. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and that and I remember it happened. My dad was having a conversation with me when I was playing Little League and he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I could get you on the all star team, but you don't deserve it. I mean, because like really people were politicking to get their kids on, on this all star team that isn't going to bring fame or fortune or anything. It was just, yeah. yeah, they were living their dream. The parents were, so. Yeah, most of the kids are just wanting to have fun. Exactly. And that's what that's what it should be. Um, okay, so speaking of fun, who is your favorite player on the Bad News Bears? Well, I guess you got to go with Tanner. I right. mean, just <laughs> just
4: because just he's so mouthy, you know, I mean, I mean, who would have thought that he'd grow up to be the president? No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, I mean, he's it's just such a foul mouth kid. But at the same time, there's these scenes where, you know, he, he's got a good heart, you know, like the part where he bails out lupus from, yeah. you know, getting bullied and thrown in a trash can. You know, it's, it, you know, he's, <laughs> and I love the scene where, uh, after they lose, they lost the first game, like 20 to nothing or whatever. And, uh, they get, you know, he tries to get them up for practice and they're in the dugout and Tanner's all beat up in the face. And they're like, what happened to you, Tanner? And, uh, Engelbert goes, uh, he took on this. It's something like uh, he got
0: in a fight. He goes, with who? The seventh grade. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and
0: you love got You need scrappers like that on your team that, yeah. uh, you know, they won't back down from anything. And he, he wasn't a good ball player, but that's a guy you want in your corner.
4: Yeah. And I've, I've tried to look up because that kid was such a good actor.
0: You know, yeah. he really played that role
4: to the hill. And he's like completely disappeared. Like he yeah. he, he left the business and you can't
0: find him. What's interesting is besides Tatum O'Neal, I mean, Jackie Early Haley had kind of a, a resurgence in his career. Oh, yeah. uh, but really, they're the only two of the kids that did anything past this. Yeah, most of them just went on to have regular jobs. Yeah, exactly. And it's also interesting in in general in baseball, one one guy doesn't usually make a huge difference uh, professionally. But in Little League, one or two people could really make a huge difference. And and that is Amanda and Kelly League. How, yeah. how did you feel about those characters? Oh, I mean, they're yeah, they're two great points
4: of the of the story. I I think I I like the Kelly Leak character. I think uh, if I had any criticism for it, I thought they kind of wasted a lot of lot of time on the getting him to play on the team part. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have injected a little more comedy through the movie at that point, but that's that's just in hindsight. But I, I interesting character, you know, troubled kid. They don't go into anything about why he wound up the way he was, which is right. interesting. But they, they kind of just let you decide. Well, he's probably got a bad home life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tatum O'Neill's scenes are are good. You can tell that this is a vehicle for her because she uh, she had just come off of Paper Moon, I believe. She won like an Oscar for that. And, right
0: with her father. Yep.
4: Right with Ryan O'Neill. And um, so you could tell they were trying to, you know, focus the spotlight on her. She's great in this movie. I, mean, she, I just yeah. Yeah, just incredible acting job by her. Very believable. You really feel like she's the character. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think of the acting jobs in the movie, she's definitely by far and away the best actor.
0: Yeah, and and th- and that's where this movie is actually ahead of its time. I mean, you think about it, the the best pitcher in the league is female, and yeah. uh, and so you have that, and you also had um, Ogilvy, which is basically the uh, precursor to sabermetrics because he's keeping stats on everyone by hand, and they're doing shifts and everything. I mean, this is 1976; they they weren't doing things that often for, yeah, uh, for that it. way.
4: Yeah, if it were real Ogilvy would have gone on to work for Billy Bean.
0: That's exactly. He would have been a Moneyball. He would have been the Jonah Hill character. Right. <laughs> so, did you ever see any of the sequels? I've seen the sequels multiple times.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this I love this this series. Oh well, I love the series through the 70s. Don't yeah. well, we're not going to even acknowledge the other version. But um yeah the uh but oh yeah no i i have a love for all three now obviously the one in japan is not well made and and tony curtis is quite annoying in the movie but
0: um but it's still a bad news bear movie so i still like it and i do like the second one uh because it is fun to see the houston astrodome and they get to play that one
4: that one is the most fun of all three in my opinion oh it's Yeah, this the first one has all these serious points, which makes it a great movie overall. It's very balanced. But but the second
0: movie, if you're a kid and you love baseball, that's the one you want to watch. Exactly. Absolutely. So after rewatching it, was there anything that didn't hold up for you or was there? Did you appreciate it even more now? I appreciated it even more. (laughs) I um,
4: just it's very well done, especially when you and and I noticed the pace is so much slower in movies from this era. Yeah. Yeah. because every everybody has a short attention span now, so if you re-released it in the theaters today, I don't know that it would. Well, obviously, it would cause an uproar with the yeah. language, but <laughs> um, but just from a pacing standpoint, I don't know if it would hold people's attention because there's there's certain scenes where they they'll in which I love this about movies from the past because there's like the scene with uh, the scene where uh, Toby is talking to trying to talk to Walter Matthau in the dugout about uh i think about getting amanda out of the game or some of her arms mm-hmm. messed up and you know walter Matthau kind of goes off for a second and toby just keeps looking at him and they kind of pan back and forth from buttermaker to toby and toby's just sort of staring at him like really <laughs> and but they hold it for a long
0: time and i'm like that you you would never see that today yeah yeah I, I that's what i loved about the 70s and earlier it just there was more character study type films uh Um, you know where they will let a character develop and i just today it's if there's not a a superhero or a ton of explosions people are are tuning out which is which is a shame yeah and it's i mean it's just it's a very well-made movie and like it's one of those
4: where i guess the most of mostly what it gets remembered for is how anti-pc it is right but but at the same time it's uh that, that overshadows so much other good stuff about the film. And, and I I don't agree with a lot of the language in it now. and it, You know, you have to cringe when you see certain scenes in today's day and age. but sure. But at the same time, like, even the, you know, Tanner's the one who spouts off a lot of the epithets, but he they also paint him out to be a sympathetic character, and, and it's one of the things where it kind of, you can't paint everybody with such a broad brush, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously the kid learned that language from somewhere else, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish people would kind of dive a little deeper into how good, how well made it is, how good the story is, and how relatable
0: it is, rather than, oh my God, the kid said the N word. You know? Right. Right. It's just like Blazing Saddles, you know, that that Blazing Saddles is a work of art. It, it, Bell Brooks Brooks, an absolute genius. But I think people miss the bigger picture in that movie and they focus yeah. on on the stuff that just doesn't hold up as well today. But if they saw the bigger picture, they realize it actually holds up even better today because they'll actually go there and and the racists are the ones that are being laughed at, you know?
4: Yeah, I think uh, nuance and satire are two things that are kind of dying out in our society.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll get into baseball movies in general. I'm put you on the spot. uh What are your top five favorite baseball movies?
4: Oh, I didn't know you were going to ask me this.
0: <laughs> um, I, know, I, want, I wanted to surprise you on this one.
4: Can I just say five? I don't have to let, rank sure. them. Um, sure. Well, Field of Dreams has to be on there because okay. yeah, me and my that was a good movie that me and my dad shared. Also, Major League. Mm-hmm. uh My dad and I went to that. So a lot of these are tied to my dad because my dad was who taught me baseball and we collected baseball cards. And yeah, um he's not around anymore. Uh, so Field of Dreams, Major League. Let me think here. Uh, well, Bad News Bears, I'm going to put in the top five. Yeah. Um, it's going to sound weird. I'm going to put Moneyball in here.
0: I agree. I th- I mean, did you ever read the book?
4: No, and I need to, but yeah. I've. I, this is one. It's a movie that I put off watching for years because I just didn't think it would be that interesting for some reason. And when I finally watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is really, really good. and, and the fact that it's based on true events is even yeah. better. And then oh and I well yeah, I, I have to close out my top five with eight men out. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's um, that's an incredibly well made movie and it really captures the era. Now there's also more baseball movies that are great. There's there, well there's one that's not really great, but I remember liking it as a kid, but it bombed and is actually probably it hasn't aged well. Do you remember an Edward James Almost movie called, um, I think it was called Talent for the Game? It sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. it, it it's not aged, because I watched clips of it. I found cl- clips of it on YouTube a few years ago. And I was like, oh, this is not good now. But um, <laughs> he plays a scout for the California Angels, and he finds like mm. a phenom, phenom pitcher. But uh,
0: it was fun to watch back then, but yeah, it's probably not worth your time now. Well, it's fun. did you ever see that Albert Brooks movie with Brendan Fraser called The Scout? Oh, yeah, I love that movie. So the begin, I love the beginning. Like that to me is a more, it's almost like, uh, you know, Sid Finch, you know, because yeah. uh, uh, George Plimpton did a, a study on this, you know, crazy pitcher that could throw so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it tailed off once he actually went to the majors. For me, I, I didn't like it as yeah. much. Yeah,
4: yeah. it turns into a, that turns into a dramedy. Yeah. You've, yeah, it turns into like suddenly it's a psychological evaluation of this poor guy. Yeah, yeah. That's right.
0: And uh, you're spot on about Moneyball The the book you wouldn't expect. I mean, it's it, the book is terrific, especially if you want the inner workings of baseball and the front office and things like that. And so I, my dad and I were both wondering how they would pull it off on screen because, they're, you, you know, how would, would they actually show you know, games being played instead of just the the front office? But they pull it. They totally pulled it off. Red pit's terrific. And, and I love like when they're doing deals and you kind of, you know, if you're a baseball fan, I, Moneyball is absolutely terrific.
4: Yeah, and I, yeah, I've yeah i gone back to it a couple of times, and a lot of
0: modern movies, especially modern sports movies, are not all that for me, but I really like that one. And one thing that they kind of leave out, if you're a baseball nerd, what they never talk about is how good the A's pitching was then, <laughs> so they don't even get into Barry Zito and Tim Hudson and Mark Mulder, which was the key to any baseball team is you need good pitching, and so they kind of mm-hmm. gloss over that, but it's still, uh, you know, like the scene where Billy Bean's trying to get Scott Hatterberg to convert from catcher to first base, and and he's saying oh it's easy to play first base and ron washington's like it's very difficult to play first base uh, (laughs) just a little nuance of that it was really really well done yeah i'm definitely gonna i need to read the book for sure oh i think you'll if you if you like the movie you'll you'll love the book and if you remember that era you'll you'll appreciate it oh yeah well uh, thank you so much for doing this chris uh i I plan to have you on as much as possible i know you're super busy but uh you know you love movies and and your brother loves movies so hopefully we could just make this uh, an ongoing tandem i'm happy to come on whenever i love love to talk about movies it's really fun awesome thank you again chris thanks man okay we're back with bill roseberry how you doing bill good
5: man very good
0: so we, we always love talking sports. Uh, we talk about everything, actually, but this <laughs> is uh, this is a great one, and uh, it's the original Bad News Bears from 1976. And it's funny because when people talk so, talk about sports movies and specifically baseball movies, this one kind of gets forgotten maybe because it's a, a Little League movie. It's not like professional baseball or anything, but, man, it, it's, it's up there, not as only one of the best sports movies, but one of the funniest comedies there
5: is. Oh yeah, and it's a movie that could not be made today. It is so politically incorrect. I oh yeah, mean, what, could you imagine somebody going to, a, a, you know, a, a production company now and be like, "I got this idea with this little blonde-haired, like, racist uh, potty-mouthed uh, kid sh- yep. short shortstop and and the. Uh, the head coach is an alcoholic and he and he sits in the dugout and he drinks all the time and he yells at the kids and he, you know, cusses at them. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just there's no way that they would make that movie today. But I think that's what's the beauty of that movie, because that movie, it's just real. That's what that's what it was like, you know, a lot of times. I mean, obviously, I didn't have a drunk coach, but right. I mean, there were coaches like Vic Morrow around. Yes. I mean, they're definitely were. I, I played with a kid whose dad was kind of like Vic Morrow. Man, yeah, yeah, it's terrible, terrible.
0: And and you bring up a good point, but in some ways, it was way ahead of its time because having uh, Tatum O'Neill, uh, you know, Amanda in the movie as as the you know the top pitcher, and she's female, uh, right. you know, that's totally ahead of the game.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I never played on a team with a girl. I'm, I don't know if you did, but. Yeah, i mean i had never in my entire baseball career uh played played baseball with with any girls mm-hmm. so
0: i yeah, actually i, I cool. did it was she wasn't on our team uh but she was on uh actually it was the best team in my little league and uh she was a pitcher too and a lot like amanda <laughs> so she was you know blonde and she could throw a curveball and and she was great she made the all-star team so yeah i mean it, it definitely um and maybe she was inspired by bad news bears i don't know i never asked her at the time
5: <laughs> and you know i mean just question for you i mean you yeah. this was a california little league and kind of where around where you grew up i mean how how much was that like what this league was i mean were your leagues growing up were they similar to that the way it was constructed
0: a little bit there were two there were a lot of teams and i think there were like 16 teams in this league so we didn't have that many and this is in southern california i was in northern california right Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, we definitely had, it was competitive. It was definitely competitive. Um, and there were a couple coaches like, uh, Roy Turner (laughs) that took it way too seriously. And, uh, yeah, I always felt, you know, I I always had this conversation with my dad. And so before, uh, my dad uh, got married and had children, he, he was head of the parks and rec department in Belmont where I grew up and, uh, he would coach youth sports and he coached little league and, uh, he he always he always loved the kids and the most difficult part was the parents and so he would he would always try to play everyone because especially at that age you know, some of these kids are never going to play again. And, and you right. saw it in Bad News Bears. Like, they, this is their only shot to play. And so we'd have these discussions with the parents saying, look, your kid, if, if he's really good, he's going to keep playing. Like, he's going to keep moving on. But some of these kids, this is all they got. So let them have their shot. Let them play a little bit. You know, your kid is going to move on. And uh, I think people forget about it in youth sports that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, this is for everyone. And you're you're not – you're not playing for money, <laughs> you know, you're playing to the enjoyment and get some, some, some fulfillment out of it.
5: Yeah. I mean, I lupus for,
0: uh, for mm-hmm, exactly I mean, when that
5: when he catches that fly ball. Um, I remember my first year playing, I had a buddy of mine that I grew up with out in the country. You played on our team and he was terrible. And, 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 I think he only played for, for one year, maybe mm-hmm. two. And I mean, we would play around the yard and everything, but he was terrible. And, and, uh, that was the highlight. He, he came in and it was one of those fly balls, just like that. And when he caught that thing, his eyes lit up. I mean, yeah. it was his, that was his entire highlight of his baseball careers. He caught a fly ball in little league. And I mean, Timmy, Timmy Lupus was, you know, that was the same way that look on his face. I remember that's what I think about when I see it. I remember it was the look on, uh, On Brian's face when he caught that fly ball in the outfield. Now, his was a shoestring catch Mm -hmm. running in. um, But, uh, you know, it was it was still I mean, he looks down at the ball in his glove and, you know, it was the third out of the inning and his eyes lit up, you know, and just shocked that he caught it just like lupus.
0: Yeah. And that's what it's all about, because, again, that that might be the highlight of their sports career. And they always have that feather in their cap. And so for me, we had different levels. And so uh, when I was in, quote unquote, the minors, so this is when I was like in fourth or fifth grade. And um, yeah, I I did really well. But there was definitely kids like like Lupus that were on there. You could just see it. And so it never bothered me because when I moved up a level I wasn't that good. And so there was times when like, I was basically like lupus and uh, could always field well, but wasn't a great hitter. And in my second year, um, the coach, his son started coming up and he was probably going to take over my position at second base, but he was so cool that he knew this was probably my last year. And he kept letting me play when his son was better than me, but I think he knew that his son would have a couple more years. So he, he was, he was good about it. And, uh, yeah. And I had some moments where I got, you know, key hits and everything like that, but that was, uh, I always appreciated how, uh, my coach at the time um, you know, he had some foresight. Like it wasn't all about win, win, win at that at that particular moment.
5: Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. Cool. I, I was kind of the same way as you. I could, I could field. I was a first baseman, and I could, I could field great, but uh, I I could never hit. Cur- mm-hmm. throw me a curveball, and I'm gonna look stupid every time.
0: Right. And 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 oh. for me, it was like, I, I don't know if I was afraid of the ball, but I got hit a couple of times. And so that, you know, it was like kind of stepping the bucket a little bit. And it just yeah. depended on the pitcher. Like if, I, if it was a pitcher I knew I could handle, I could probably dig in a little bit more. But there were certain guys where if they threw 60 miles per hour, it, if, it's like 90 with those. Maps. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah. And there were some kids that were just far and beyond that. I was like, I, I'm not going to touch this guy. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so getting back in the movie, uh, yeah, so we, we might as well start with Walter Matthau. Matt, uh, is there any funnier coach than, than Morris Buttermaker?
5: No, he was fantastic. I, I had forgotten when I rewatched it again here recently, I'd forgot about him taking them all to help work on the pools with him and make right. him clean the pools, <laughs> and then he's got Lupus making him a martini yep. and bringing it to him, and I was just cracking up. I was like, what a terrible coach. what a terrible role model for little kids
0: (laughs) he is it's so funny and and this is why i this movie's so good because it's got so many like ebbs and flows where you get disgusted with him, and then he has these moments where you you feel bad for him because he's just kind of this broken man and i think even he realizes it at certain times
5: well boy Vic Vic morrow actually brought out the best in him yeah he watched him across the way and and saw what it horrible despicable person he was mm-hmm. and it, and it, it made and he'd look at him and be like well I'm kind of doing the same thing and you know that's that's where he he had those redeeming qualities you know where uh, you know I love um, whose dad was it that that put the team together and was paying Buttermaker to be the um, be the coach he was finally there at the end was like what are you doing? Yes. Why are you putting the lupus kid in and everything? And he goes, you know, um, told him to go shit, you know, shut up and sit down, you know, yeah. and, and let me coach the team. And yeah, it, but it was like even that guy got caught up in it. You know, it's like, oh, we got to win. We're here now, you know.
0: Right. And so fun, fun fact about that guy. So that that's Ben Piazza. He was you, of course, remember the Blues Brothers. He was the guy at the um, the fancy restaurant where they're trying to get. Uh, Mr. Fabulous. He's the one that's complaining about the smell of, of uh, Jake and Elwood. And, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, that's the father. And then eventually, uh, you know, John Belushi is like, How much for the women, the little girls? That's his family. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, I didn't realize that.
0: That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. That's so that, funny. that's fun trivia. So, and it's interesting. So, you know, it's talking about sports. Usually basketball is the one where one player really makes a difference. But I think in youth sports, no matter what it is whether it be football baseball or basketball one player can make a big difference and in this case uh, Kelly Week you know played by Jackie Earl Haley kind of put everything together
5: yeah and you know I grew up with kids like that too kids that were terrible like in school and always in trouble and fighting and doing all this but you put them on a baseball field and they were ridiculously good, but yeah. they never made anything out of themselves with it because they couldn't follow, um, you know, follow direction, and they couldn't, you know, handle being told what to do and stuff like that. But, but they could. Boy, they were they were great ball players, and that's what he always reminded me of. Some of those guys that I played with growing up.
0: Like yeah, that. and I think that's why the Amanda character was 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 good because she was also the other kind of the role model, you know, weed by example, because she was better than anyone else, especially with pitching.
5: Right, right. And, um, you know, and it was funny, though, how, how Kelly Leak kind of – he wasn't – he became a great teammate and, and, and actually loved being part of that team. It was, like, perfect for him to be with those guys. He was better than everybody else, you know, way better than everybody else. But he, you know, he just – he just kind of fit in with the Bad News Bears and kind of went into his own. And where he was even listening to Buttermaker, he didn't listen to anybody, No, you know, any other adult. But he would listen to him. I mean, even in a bad way because he was making him run down and steal balls from a mod and right. Tanner and everybody else. And You know, and he was just doing what Coach told him to do. You know, he didn't even question that when he probably should have questioned that, you know.
0: Right. But that was the cool part that the team I think before would have totally let Kelly do that because they were so bad, but they started to get a little bit better as the season went along. And, uh, and then they started kind of like, Hey, you know, you're good, but this is a team. You need to kind of let us do it too. And I, I think even Kelly felt bad about it at the end.
5: So who was your, who was your favorite? It's got to
0: be Tanner. I mean, yeah, Tanner, you know, what's Fine. funny about Tanner, too, is he's got the piss and vinegar that I think everyone loves. But even he wasn't that good. I mean, he would commit error after error after error. Well, but he was terrible. funny. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, man, the, you need scrappers like that on, on whatever team you have.
5: Slamming his glove down when he'd miss it. But, man, he just never gave up. Yeah, It didn't matter. He never got down. He never gave up. And You know, maybe, you know, Probably this is words of wisdom. These are this is Tanner Boyle life lesson 101. Was when he <laughs> tells Lupus, he goes, Lupus, if you'd wipe your nose every now and then, maybe people wouldn't give you so much shit. Mm-hmm. You know, basically stand up for yourself a little bit, don't yeah. let people push you around, and you know, life will be better. Just keep trying and keep pushing forward. I mean, it was kind of like you know, life lessons from Tanner Boyle and the way he could do it, you know? <laughs> right,
0: right. And uh, and it's in many
5: ways, Tanner was more difficult than Kelly, because <laughs> you know? He was. He was. I mean, and he didn't he even, he tried to fight Kelly one time, didn't he? After oh, all yeah, the he, stuff. Yeah, he was trying to fight him when he was going around and catching the, everybody's balls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had to break them up. Yeah.
0: But yeah, he's he's definitely a highlight, and I think that's that's where the rough edge of the '70s really came in. I think him and, and Buttermaker were the two um, of the era type of characters, and that's why it's great.
5: Yeah, I mean, and in, in, you know, you couldn't, you just couldn't have a you couldn't have a Tanner Boyle today. You couldn't have a the. Um, uh, Oh, what's Engelbert? Was that the catcher's Oh, name? yeah.
0: He's great, too.
5: <laughs> yeah, he's great, too. But, I mean, the way they make make the fat jokes about him and they oh, do yeah. all that, they, they just wouldn't do that stuff today, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I played ball with guys like that, too, you know? That big fat kid that could hit the piss out of the ball but couldn't do one other damn thing mm-hmm. and didn't really give a shit about running or trying to you know, get in better shape or be better, you know. He just – he could go up there and hit the ball, and then he just kind of walked to first base and, you know, whatever, you know. I remember those kids growing up too.
0: And the other one I, I really like because it, it seemed like I was always on a, on a team with a, a Rudy, who was like the backup yes. pitcher. And he's just so bad, but, yeah, he's just like – he's just on the team. He's just like this kind of this lovable lunk, you know.
5: Yeah, yeah, it does, just kind of dumb and just kind of, yeah. yeah, mopey and aloof. Yeah, it was – yeah, yeah, I played with kids like that, too. You, you had them all, I mean, and uh, uh, interesting thing. I'm sure you've probably talked about this or mentioned this already because you you've mm-hmm. always go in, in depth on this stuff, but uh, I thought I, I had forgotten, I knew this when I was younger, that that uh, Jodie Foster was originally supposed to play Amanda, not Tate right. O'Neill, and That's she right. chose Taxi Driver over Bad News Bears, which... I mean, probably not a bad choice for her, but I mean, you know, another great movie, but, uh, yeah, it was just interesting to me that, that, uh, I had forgotten that. I, I can't imagine, you know, I, I'm sure she would have been fine as Amanda, but it just worked out so well with Tatum O'Neill.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, you saw the original Freaky Friday, right? With, uh, with Jodie Foster.
5: Oh my goodness. Maybe when I was a kid, I, it's been so long. I,
0: because she is kind of an athlete, uh, in that movie too. Cause she's on the, um, the field hockey team. And so I, yeah, I think she could have pulled it off. Cause I think she was, she was an athlete, but yeah, you look at Tatum O'Neill and, and you can't imagine anyone else, but Jodie Foster was such a great, not only, I mean, everyone knows she's a great actress when she became older, but she was a great child actress too.
5: Yeah, she was, but I mean, she was, she was phenomenal in taxi driver. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's a great, great movie too. I mean, I, I've, uh, I've got that in my collection. Yeah, uh, definitely. Too, definitely. But, uh Yeah, um, but bad, bad news bears. Now, did you ever watch any? I've never watched any of the sequels. So yeah, I've seen the,
0: the other two. Uh, I actually own uh, Breaking Training because that's that one's fun for me. Not that it's a better movie at all. Like the original's the best, but they play in the Houston Astrodome, so that, that I really right. like that. Yeah.
5: yeah, I have seen I have seen bits and pieces of that one. That's a uh, um, uh, William Devane, right? Yes,
0: he Instead takes of, over as the coach, yeah.
5: He, is he Kelly's dad? Is that what it was? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
5: Okay, yeah, that's right,
0: that's right. But, uh, uh, so, but pretty much the whole cast is, is in it. I don't think Tatum O'Neal's in it. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's fun, because it's definitely not up to the quality, but it's not the worst. And then by the time they got to, when they went to Japan, I checked out, so that, yeah, that's not, and yeah, I, never I never bothered to see And I never saw the remake, so with Billy Bob Thornton, I was just like, "Yeah, I I, they're not going to make it better, and they're going to tame it down." And uh, yeah,
5: yeah, dinner. I
0: did
5: did watch it, and uh, my buddy Kevin, that I grew up playing baseball and softball with, and everything, he loves it, and he had it, and he had me borrow it, Mm -hmm. and he just raves about how great it was. And I watched it, and I'm like, "This this sucks." I mean, they (laughs) they watered it down, you know. I mean, Tanner's, you know tanner's not nearly as you know uh i mean he's rough around the edges he's a bad kid but he's he's censored he's not saying the sure. same type of stuff he did in the original one and i mean that's what made him great i mean yeah you know, i mean i don't even know if i can say his speech even on this uh on this podcast I mean, <laughs> <I'll>, yeah yeah <laughs> You'd have yeah, but to bleep
0: the, me out. Yeah. That's right. And, and uh, but again, that's that's real. I mean, that's that's how and kids do talk like that. Even still, it's just like you just don't you, you don't broadcast it like that. Right. And, and, right. And, and that's the thing. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're getting, kind of going down a road here. But, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's why certain movies just aren't well received anymore, because it, they try to fit an agenda and it, it kind of, at the expense of, of entertainment, uh, you know, Blazing Saddles was perfect yes. because of what they did. And if they had watered it down, it would just be, it'd just be another movie that nobody cared about, you know?
5: Right, right. You're yeah. right. So, and boy, I you know, another, we, we've talked about how great, you know, some of these other actors were. And I know we touched on him, but um, Vic Morrow's Vic acting performance in that movie was outstanding, Oh, I agree. I mean, he was he was outstanding. I mean, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, man, I hate this dude. I mean, yeah. he's such, such an asshole, arrogant prick. And what he did to his son, and, you know, you could tell he was just, you know, just an asshole at home behind closed doors, probably abusive, and, you know, and it just, but he pulled it off. Man, it was believable. He made you hate him, that's for sure
0: absolutely and that's that's the sign of a great actor <laughs> you know if mm-hmm. you can you can do that and uh, and I'm sure you know he tragically died in uh, that, that infamous uh, crash in right. uh, dur- the during the Twilight Zone movie yeah
5: that's what it was yeah the Twilight Zone movie I was trying to think what it was um, uh, today now what was that maybe about four or five years after Bad News Bears
0: yeah it was 82 so eighty two. Yeah. Okay, yeah six years yeah it really really tragic uh, there was a helicopter accident
5: Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, but he was he was great. His, his acting performance was great in there.
0: Yeah, you know, and I loved how all the kids uh, just really meshed well together. And none of them really, uh, with the exception of the two main uh, kids, really moved on to anything after that. But I, I think that was kind of the the great part about it. Like they just they looked like re- real kids. They acted like real kids, and they they played like real kids.
5: Yeah, if you go to IMDb and you look them up. Um, It doesn't have pictures of any of them outside of that movie, basically. And those movies dressed in baseball uniforms, that's their their glamour shot or whatever. The only one outside of, of course, Jackie Earl Haley and Tatum O'Neill. Yeah. You know, because they have longer careers. But the only other one that has a picture of himself as an adult is Lupus. You should go check (laughs) it out. He's like this big kind of fat guy. And he's like got long hair down the middle of his back, and he looks like he looks like a metalhead, and he's got like this chick like and hugged up against him, probably I don't know his wife or girlfriend or whatever. But it's just like looking at it, it it, it doesn't look anything like the little kid that you watched in the movie, you know. But I, I'm yeah. looking at it right now. Are and, you?
0: Yeah, and uh, so he kind of looks like the guy from Puddle of Mud.
5: <laughs> yes, there
4: yeah.
0: you go. Have you seen yeah. – oh, speaking of Puddle Mud, we're, we're definitely going to uh, – this is a, a snapshot in time. Have you heard his, his uh, cover of Nirvana's About a Girl?
5: No, I have not.
0: Okay, after this, go look it up. It, you will – oh, it is the worst cover ever. He is out of tune. <laughs> uh, the band sounds great, and and you just I, – I don't know how to keep a straight face. It is absolutely brutal, uh, so definitely check that out, yes.
5: kansas city and um you know i I always kind of liked them a little bit but they actually a while back played at a bar just a little neighborhood bar uh here in Wood River, illinois it's just this this little bar i go to from time to time great food and puddle of mud just showed up and played there one night
0: and how were they uh
5: i i didn't go but i talked to some people and they said it was cool okay just to see I see them there. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, you hear those stories. That's why I love my that Robert Cray story I was telling you earlier, where you could just walk in and and, and organically, uh, some famous musician walks up and jams with a house band or whatever. It's just so cool, you know.
0: Yeah, so. absolutely. But def- yeah, definitely check out. This, <laughs> if you want to uh, brighten up your day, yeah. So,
5: are you saying that uh Timmy Lupus is the lead singer of Puddle of Mud? Is that I think he may be. News? I think Breaking he may news. be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he basically uh he sings like he plays in the movie. There you
5: go. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, that's bad, <laughs> but I don't know if I want to listen to it now. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> he does have one hit you know at the end, so there you go.
5: Man, remember when he, he'd go to he, the time that he goes to pick up the ball and he keeps trying to oh, throw it? Yeah, oh. It's just brutal. Yeah, it's like it, watching a train wreck or something. It you know is I mean? like
0: like the ball had like uh, you know Vaseline on. I'm like, just, yeah. I mean, speaking of that, that's that's what uh, Amanda does. She kind of does the Gaylord Perry grease ball.
5: Oh, she does. Yeah, she was she was a little cheater, but yep. she learned she learned from from maker, So <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. All sorts of great stuff in this. And if, if you're a fan of baseball, and if you ever played with a league. Uh, right. I, you'll really appreciate this movie but uh, yeah, even if you didn't, you'll still have fun with it. Yep, definitely Well, as always, Bill, this has been a lot of fun and uh, thank you again for doing this
5: No problem, man, anytime I love coming on the show with you It's always Well,
0: nice. we love having you, so we'll, we'll talk soon Hey, this is Brian Davis and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast and now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues because, after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat because even when you lose, you still win.
2: there ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only the original
3: Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>